Welcome to all of you and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Appreciate you all being here. We are in 2 Kings. Uh, we finally finished uh, 1 Kings. Great look at the scriptures there. Now we are going into 2 Kings. We went through chapter 1 last week and now we are at chapter 2. This is Elijah. Remember what has happened is that throughout the record of the kings of Israel and Judah, they kind of buzz through a lot of different names and stuff, and all of a sudden they really slow down when they come to the life of Elijah, and now also Elisha, these two uh, very impressive prophets who uh, really had the power of God in them in incredibly unique ways. Elijah is now getting ready to be taken up into heaven, okay? And, uh, and then Elisha will take over and now be the next major prophet here. So we pick it up at chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah says to Elijah, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And uh, which is kind of funny, you'll see here that Elijah's trying to lose Elisha. <laughs> and Elijah says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Well, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah Elisha, so there's these prophets are kind of hanging out down at Bethel and they come to Elijah and say, hey, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master today? They knew it, see. They were in tune with God, with the Spirit, what God was doing. And uh, they kind of say, you know, you know, God's taking him today. And uh, Elijah says, yeah, I, I know, but don't speak of it. And then Elisha says to him, Elijah comes up and says, okay, now stay here. Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Again, trying to lose the poor boy. And uh, Elisha replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Well, the company of the prophets at Jericho came up to Elisha and said, uh, say, do you know uh, the Lord's going to take your master from you? Too? Everybody knew this. <laughs> All the prophets were in on it. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know, but please don't, don't talk about it. And Elijah comes up and says, okay, now you stay here. The Lord sent me to the Jordan. And again, he says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked out. What a great amount of commitment uh, Elisha had towards Elijah. I mean, most guys, you're trying to get people to really be committed and stick with you. And, you know, and you got to work really, really hard, make sure they won't run it off. And Elijah, you know, he's trying to dump the guy and he can't get rid of him. <laughs> That's when you really know you got people who want to stick with you, when you're trying to dump them and they won't leave. All right? So, um, so he said, as soon as the Lord lives, uh, I won't leave. So the two of them walked on. Well, 50 men of the company of prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. So just these 50 prophets are just watching. Why? Because they know something's up. They know God's going to come take Elijah. They're not sure exactly what's going on, but they know. They know, and they're kind of like, <laughs> watch this. So they're kind of focused on him. Well, Elijah comes to the Jordan River, big river. They don't have the bridges. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, Elijah takes his cloak, and he rolls it up, and he hits the water. And the water divides to the right and to the left. And then the two of them walk over on dry ground. <laughs> Pretty cool. It's, I mean, these guys are cool. Prophets. Good. I mean, you know, this is, this is awesome. This is all, these guys are doing all kinds of bizarre stuff. So he crosses over, the, uh, over and then Elijah says to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken? Because he knew. Everybody knew. 
And Elisha says this, he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Now, from prophet talk, that would be greedy. You know what I'm saying? I would be thrilled to be like Elijah. Man, just, I'd say, give me a tenth of what you got. And I'm a happy Puerto Rican. You know what I'm saying? To have, you know, maybe I can't spread the Jordan River, but I can cross, you know, the Fox River or something. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Something. Something. I'd like just a piece of this. But Elijah goes, he doesn't want a piece. I want twice what you got. Whoa. And uh, Elijah says, well, you've asked a difficult thing. But then he says this. He says, well, I'll tell you what. If you can see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, you get nothing. Well, as they're walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Yeah, I'd get out of the way. And Elijah climbs into this chariot of fire. Horse of fire. Wow. And he goes taken off into heaven on this chariot of fire. Swing down, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. You ever heard that song? That's that's what this is about. That's what they're singing about. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father! The chariots and horsemen of Israel. I mean, this is like, wow, check it out. And Elisha saw him no more. He's gone. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. And he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Okay, now, so Elijah, he's finally gone. Now, let us reflect upon Elijah. I mean, he was pretty impressive, right? He says, there's not going to be any more rain, just like that, no rain. Wow. Pretty, he says, time to rain, all of a sudden, rain comes. This is the guy, tells the widow, listen, you take care of me first. You give, and it will be given to you, is in essence what he was saying to her. And then the whole time, there were little jars that it never emptied. It just, it was always, you know, they dump out, make some food, and next up, there's some more in there. You know, it just, it never stopped. Very, very cool. This is the guy who, the son of this poor widow dies, and he lays on the kid, and he speaks life back in the kid. He pops awake. I mean, pretty cool. I mean, this guy, he's the one who gets, you know, taken on the prophets of Baal and say, come on, you start a fire, I'll start a fire. We'll see who, who God's going to answer with fire. You know, they had this big showdown on Mount Carmel and boom, Elijah speaks, fire falls down from heaven. I mean, this guy is like, wow. You know, he doesn't even think. He comes to the water, just takes his cloak, bang, get out of the way. This is an impressive man. Now, a prophet Prophecy comes along, talking about the one who would make the way for Jesus. Okay, someone was going to come and prepare the way of the Lord. Do you remember who he was? John the Baptist. Okay. And what was said of John the Baptist, he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. What would that look like to you? What would you expect? Miracles? Making stuff happen? Haven't seen you two in a while. How you doing? Uh, You know, I mean, boom! Oh, that's incredible! Wow! Sturgeon Bay people. (laughs) I mean, this is like incredible stuff. 
Wouldn't you think? I mean, if I was going to tell you, Pastor Mark is coming in the power and the spirit of Elijah, you'd think, man, get me, I want to get in line. I want to see something happen. I want, you know, dead people raised. I want stuff, you know what I'm saying? But was there ever a record of John the Baptist doing anything supernatural? Not once. What's up with that? He said he's coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah, one of the most impressive, most, I mean, the only one who even comes close to these two is Jesus. I mean, Jesus comes in, he's doing so many miracles, he blows them all away, but I'm saying this is, someone announces you're coming to the spirit power of Elijah, you would expect miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, this, remember, this is Elijah. The, the guy comes with this, the captain and 50 men saying, hey, you come down here. And he just sent on fire and toast them all. You know what I'm saying? Seven, three. I mean, this is impressive. This is an impressive, powerful guy. Here comes a guy in the spirit and the power of that. Wow. Yet when he comes, as far as we know, he does nothing. Nothing of a miraculous nature. How to explain this? A couple of things. First of all, oftentimes when God says something, it looks different when you get there. Are you hearing me? Have we not talked about this? I mean, this is when remember God told Elijah, you go down, I've told this widow to take care of you. He gets there, she doesn't know nothing about it. I thought you said the widow was going to take care of me. Did she wind up taking care of him? Yes. But it looked different than what you think. It's amazing how discouraged people get when they believe God has spoken to them or promised something to them and they get there and it doesn't look like what they thought it would look like and they get discouraged. And they get so frustrated and they give up. I, I thought, God, I thought you said this. I did say that. Well, this is not that. Yeah, it is. What? I'm just telling you, it looks different. You've got to get that number one through your head. Clearly, this is what they struggled with Jesus. Did they know a Messiah was coming? They did. Remember the three wise men come up? Said, hey, we saw the Messiah's star. Where is he going to be born? Did they say, we don't know? What did they say? Bethlehem. They knew. They know, of course, they couldn't be bothered. You know, a little too religious this week. I got my goldfish to clean I, you know, I, they knew where they, they didn't even go it was it was a bunch of pagans as far as we know wise men from the east who looked at astrology and stuff you're not supposed to be doing they come to worship the christ child the religious people are far too busy for that not part of our doctrine this week you know. they knew he was coming and when he came and started doing miracles, they would have expected. Why were people crying out? A lot of them, this, this, is, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. But why did they not buy into the fact that he was the Messiah? Because it, it, looked, it looked different. It's not what they were expecting. What they were expecting was the Messiah to show up and kick butt and take names. They were under the pressure of the Roman army. They were literally waiting for the Messiah to come to set them free from Roman oppression. <coughs> sorry 
That's what they're waiting for. They were waiting for it to come. You know, are you at this time going to restore Israel? Remember when he came into, uh, uh, he was going to come into his triumphal entry. Are you going to restore Jerusalem at this time, the kingdom? And Jesus said, just chill out, chill out. So now he is coming and he's going to do all these things. The next time he comes, he is going to be coming, kicking butt and taking names. Are you hearing me? See, the first time, see, there were two pictures when you look in the Old Testament now. You see this picture of a suffering Messiah, but then you see the conquering Messiah. Well, what did they want to see? The conquering Messiah, they, they, had no, they couldn't fathom the suffering Messiah. It looked different. I promise you, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to come meek and mild and let people push him around. Coming back, butt kicker. Are you hearing me? But not the first time, and they, and they couldn't get their heads around it. They made it just look different. So here comes John the Baptist in the power, the spirit and the power of this man. And yet, no miracles. What up with that? Well, is it possible that the spirit and the power he was talking about was a confrontational spirit? An in-your-face spirit. Because that would make sense. Because if there was one thing John the Baptist had, it was an in-your-face attitude. He went around and told everybody, knock it off! You need to repent! You know, I mean, this wasn't like a warm and fuzzy guy. He wasn't like trying to have, you know, great, great analogies of why God loves you why you need to open your heart to Christ. And as the music plays softly and every head's bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, would you consider opening your heart? He wasn't soft like that at all. He just walked and said, knock it off! Repent! Kingdom of God, God is coming! Y'all are going to go to hell if you don't straighten up! I mean, it eventually got him killed. You remember they cut off his head. Why? Because he insulted Herod. He gets in front of Herod and rebukes Herod. Not a good idea. <laughs> but he didn't care. Because he had a spirit on him that was a butt-kicking spirit. And saying, we need to do the right thing. We need to do it now. And it was that power and spirit that came on the nation that prepared the way for the Lord to come. I have long advocated as so many Christians all around America pray diligently and sincerely God send a revival. And I am convinced what we need right now is a John the Baptist period. We need a John the Baptist period. We need people who will get some cojones for crying out loud. We need some pastors who will stand up and start telling it like it is. And they aren't necessarily going to be warm and fuzzy. Some are going to be irritating like me. And just say, we need to get this right. Pray for God to send a great renewal across America. Send a revival to what? We got people in the church, husbands and wives can't even stand each other. Our job is just trying to keep them from killing one another. Half the men, Christian men in survey after survey, addicted to pornography. That means every other guy. If that statistic is true in here, and it better not be. I'd be like, every other guy. Porn, 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 porn. 
Are you kidding me? In the church? And it is time that we need the spirit and the power of Elijah to fall on the church in America. Well, we need to start getting stuff right. Start living right. Let's just do the base. Let's get the basics right. Why? Because we need to prepare the way of the Lord. If there's going to be a chance for a moving of God in America, I believe we have got to have a path blaze where we start just getting the basics right and let God move. And now he's got something to work with. Now Jesus shows up. Jesus was able to show up in a nation that pretty much got the jerk slacked out of it because of John the Baptist. They came by the multitudes to be baptized by him. The power of God was on him as he just confronted people in their sin. That was, see, this was the man who stood up to Ahab and said, knock it off. This is the man who stood up to the mighty king, the most wicked king, and his Jezebel wife, who was called Jezebel. Clearly, this was the spirit and the power that they were talking about. It had to be because John the Baptist. But again, isn't it amazing how we see things differently? Now, check this out. So, Elijah goes chasing off up into heaven. Now, we know, the Bible says that from the beginning, when God said, if, if you, Adam, if you, if you go here, if you eat of the tree, if you disobey me, instead of living forever, you will, you will die. And we know that everybody now dies. Nobody gets into the kingdom of God for eternity in this package. All right? But we know of two guys who did. Remember who the first one was? Anybody? Enoch. Enoch. Moses died. God buried Moses, it says. They don't know where he buried him. But God buried him. Look back at Genesis. We talked about this when we first came back to the Old Testament. Genesis, the fifth chapter. Some little obscure dude named Enoch. Genesis 5, 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, who was really a geezer. That guy lived to almost 1,000 years old. Methuselah. So they say, man, guys, as old as Methuselah. That's what they're talking about, this guy. And after he became the father of Methuselah, he walked with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. I'll bet, 300 years, you can have a whole bunch. And altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. And then there's this verse. Enoch walked with God, and then he was gone. No more. Why? Because God took him away. Doesn't say he died. It says God took him away. And then the next time we see someone who just gets whisked away, it is Elijah. All right. Now, stay with me. Turn to Revelations. Book of Revelation. Last book in the Bible. Zing! Revelation, the 11th chapter. Someday, if I get enough courage, we'll do the book of Revelation. This thing's like, whoa, ho chi mama. This is like, this is tough to figure this one out. But let's start. Chapter 11, verse 1, book of Revelation. Now, he's talking about the last days. This is the last days. This is when, you know, everything's really hitting the fan. Judgments of God's coming heavy on the earth. Uh, the Antichrist is out uh, causing all kinds of grief. Um, uh, eventually, 
know, all this is going to come to get to an end. God's going to come back. Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be judgment day. All this is, this is all before the final days. So chapter 11, verse 1. I was given a reed. This is John who's, who's experiencing this. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. And again, a lot of figurative stuff here, but then he says here, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So here's a prophecy talking about in this last day when all this stuff is uh, going weird and, and, and all this stuff is happening and the end times and, uh, you know, whoa, all kinds of kind of bizarre stuff is happening. In the midst of all this, God brings two guys in. We don't know who they are. So this is pure speculation on my end. But I got a pretty good guess who I think the two are. My guess? Enoch and Elijah show up. They've just been chilling out in heaven. And my guess to him, them, has probably been feeling like a couple of days, you know, because time is different. All of a sudden, God's going to send them back. And these guys are going to show up in the midst of all this evil that's in the earth. And they're going to show up and just start kicking butt and taking names and doing all kinds of powerful things in the name of, of God. So these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Again, John talking, all this figurative stuff. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. Who's that sound like? And this is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. So if anyone comes to try, now you have to stop and think. These guys pop up and they start, start preaching to everybody and start calling down judgment and repentance and stuff. You know, talk about the authorities having a problem with these two cats. But anyone who tries to stop them is killed. Fire. I mean, who knows what this actually looks like? This is a bizarre thing. But nobody can stop them. I wonder what CNN's going to do on that day. Look at these cats. Just... <laughs> I mean, Seriously. Now these men have power to shut up the sky so it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. Who's that sound like? <laughs> like Elijah. They have power to turn the waters into blood. Sounds like Moses there. To strike the earth. But these guys just with all kinds of, of power. They can have plagues as often as they want. They are just going to bring grief on the earth as God's witnesses testifying to the power and the presence and mighty goodness of God. Now, all kinds of debate on are we around for this? Some people believe that the rapture will happen before this. Other people believe the well, rapture will happen somewhere in the middle of this. And other people don't believe the rapture will, will happen at all. But anyway, I, I'm voting for option one. <laughs> Personally, I would rather not be here. You know what I'm talking about? I'd like to be dead, 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 dead. We're out of here. Okay? But even when we get raptured, the Bible says we'll be instantly changed. This physical body will not go. Okay, it's just we, everything's just in a heartbeat. We've just got to beat dying. Anyway, so that's what I'm voting for. Uh, so anyway, so now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and power over, overpower them and kill them. So at some point after these 42 months of these guys creating all kinds of grief in the name of God, as God, and they're bringing out plagues and famines and whatever they want to do as they're preaching and speaking against this evil that's in the earth. Then all of a sudden, somehow, somebody kills them. Well, it says their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and, Sodom and Egypt, figuratively, 
where the Lord was also crucified. In other words, this is Jerusalem, okay? This is where this is going to happen. So for three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. So what's going to happen is there ba- what, the, the prop- what the Bible's saying. John, 2,000 years ago, wrote that there's going to be an event where these two guys will finally be killed and the whole world will see it and watch it. Now you have to understand, before even 100 years ago, really, you would have thought, how can this be? Well, see, we don't even think about it because we got television today. I mean, they, this is basically, he knew that everybody's going to be watching this. All the, now, remember, the world at this point is in a, an incredible state of evil. Everybody hates these two guys. Finally, somebody kicks him off, and they are so happy they're dead. Ding dong, the witch is dead, wicked witch, tweedle witch. I mean, they're having a party. All the munchkins are dancing. These two guys are down. The Bible says the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other's gifts. They're going to turn it into Christmas. This is fabulous. They're, the whole world is so happy. These two guys are finally dead. They start sending each other gifts. The whole world's watching again. Before understanding technology now, for a long time, people say, well, this is impossible. Well, it's not impossible. It's what happens now. The whole world can watch stuff go on. Because these two prophets had tormented those who lived on the earth. They were so sick of these guys. But I love this part. So the whole, they're, they're not burying them. They're letting them rot. That's how much they hated them. They're letting them just lie there and rot in the sun for three and a half days. But after three and a half days, God comes along, breathes life back into them, and they stand back up on their feet. <laughs> oh, man, I hope we can watch this from heaven because that's where I hope we're going to be at. You know, we can tune in. This is going to be cool. They're so happy. They're dancing. They're having parties. They're sending each other presents. And all of a sudden, breaking news. <laughs> this just in. These two guys just stood up. And the Bible says terror will stop it. It will. People will be terror. Holy stinking cow, they're alive. And of course, I've got to figure, oh my goodness, more plagues, more punishment, more. But when they pop alive, so then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come on up, guys, we're out of here. And then they went up into heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. That very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. And the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So, I mean, this is pretty wild stuff. So anyway, I'm just tying this together. I do not know for certain that it's these two guys. Um, to me, it just makes sense that all of a sudden these two guys show who are incredible because we got two unaccounted guys. Now, it's possible they could have been transpla- transformed like that in the way to heaven, like, like the rapture is going to happen. But I just have this, my, oh, my theory has always been, I think it's these two guys. I think they're just hanging out there. And they got sends them back in. They just come in and start kicking butt, taking names. They're having a great time. They finally die. Everybody's got to die. And they pop alive. Boink, and then take them back into heaven. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> oh, man, I'm out of time. Uh, um, yeah, I'll end there. Because, then, because now what we're going to do now is uh, uh, 
we are going to start following Elijah. Elijah picks up the cloak that Elijah had dropped as he went taken off into heaven in this fiery chariot. And then he starts going, and now the other prophets start to watch him and starts to see what happened. And right away, yeah, some serious power falls on Elisha, and he becomes now this pretty incredible prophet that does some pretty amazing miracles. Great fun. So we'll pick this up again. Next week, you guys can take time now and ask all your questions of your campus pastor. See you next week.